Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, so I actually had a whole other thing to say to start the podcast. You guys know what I do. Normally, I'm like, what's up, fam? Welcome to episode six of the Human Hope Podcast. I'm Carlos, but I had a whole other thing, and I just screwed it up. Ah, Guys, I tried something new, and inevitably, I screwed up. It's okay. I'm a creature of habit. Welcome to episode 16 of the Human Hope Podcast. I mean, what a bummer intro. I promise I had the most epic intro planned, but here we are. You know what? I'm not even going to edit this back. This is it. This is the intro to 16. You know, episode 16, we now have our driver's license as a podcast. We can now go wherever we want legally without our parents. I guess, I guess since I'm on the That Sounds Fun Network, like my parent would be Annie. Annie of Downs, I'm on her network. Annie, we we no you no longer have to drive with me. Like we can now go wherever it is we want to go. We can follow her on her podcast tour. I don't know if you guys know Annie's doing a podcast tour, and she's seeming to have a blast. We should do a podcast tour at some point. You guys should let me know what like like can we do a podcast tour? Can I get a few people to show up in different cities? That would be fun, right? Like I could be interviewing people. I don't know. I've got all kinds of dreams for this thing, uh, but I do want to say. Welcome. Thanks for sticking around. If you're new around here, I'm grateful that you are here. This is the Human Hope Podcast where we talk about hope for humanity in various ways, shapes, and forms. I am your host, Carlos Enrique Whitaker Guzman Archibolcabeo, or Los for short. And we have been on a journey. I I can't, I mean, 16. We we are four, eight, twelve, sixteen. That is cr- four months. Are you kidding me? I've done this thing for four months. Is that true? Four, eight, twelve. Yeah, four months. We've been going at this thing. I, if I can do this four months, I can do this the rest of my life. And we're just going to keep looking for hopeful things to talk about, hopeful things um, to focus on, because we live in a season on planet Earth where everybody says this is the most divided we've ever been, and maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Honestly, I don't necessarily believe it. I think maybe we have the most access to information that maybe convinces us that this is the most divided we've ever been. But I'd like to think that this may be the most unified we've ever been. But the people that are unified just ain't talking about it. I know that there are people that have major differences of opinions that listen to this show. And we all come together. I mean, gosh, two weeks ago we came. Oh, no, I guess it was a week and a half ago we came together and we raised... Fifty thousand dollars in twenty four hours for a friend who needed a seizure alert dog. Like like that that makes me believe there is hope, right? We are closer than we think to healing, and ooh, our guest today is going to show us exactly that. Ah, such a hope filled human. Uh, but before we get to that, before we get to our interview, how many of you guys 
like our summer people. Like you love summer. Like summer, you're like, oh my God, I cannot wait to perspire and sweat and have like my back wet with perspiration and my nose beadly with little beads of sweat. Like how many of you guys are, are like summer sweaters? Like you love to sweat in the summer. And then how many of you guys are like me? Where, where you wish summer, especially in the South, never existed. Friends, this last week in Nashville, Tennessee, it has felt like the devil's underarm. It has felt like I'm living inside of a dog's mouth. It, it, it has been nasty. The humidity has been like 90%. It's been like 94 degrees outside. Oh my gosh, it has been awful. But guess what? I am going to correct the situation. Because as of right now, it's Wednesday evening, June 16th. By Saturday evening, I am going to be in Anchorage, Alaska, where it is. 59 is the high. 42 is the low. I'm taking hoodies. I'm taking beanies. I'm going to be there for six days with my family. We're actually going to record the next podcast in Alaska. Can't wait. Maybe we'll have some surprises there. But we... We as a family, as the Whitakers, had to get the heck out of the South in this oppressive heat and humidity. So I don't know how many of you guys are like, let me know. Let me know on Twitter, on Instagram. Let me know if DM me, whatever. Are you summer heat people or like, are you craving the fall and the winter and the early part of the spring? Uh, That me, I need to get to Alaska. We're doing six days, kind of like all the tourist thing, right? Um, we're going whale watching, oh, like not in a big boat too, like in a boat that only fits six people. I cannot wait. We are going on a bear, grizzly bear excursion. We take a plane to like a grizzly bear beach. I'm, I'm not quite sure why I'm risking my life to get this photo, but we are, we are going fly fishing. No, maybe not fly fishing. We're going fishing for King Salmon. And I'm going to bring home, we're going to have the best fish tacos the rest of the summer. We're bringing home all the salmon. That's just the first six days. We're bringing uh, the girls or bringing their boyfriends. Uh, we're bringing some friends. Osai's bring friends. Heather's bring friends. And that's going to be awesome the first six days. And then the last nine days. So it's actually a work trip. I'm just tacking on the family thing at the beginning. The last nine days, I am going to be hanging out with a bunch of urban inner city kids from Brooklyn uh, with a nonprofit called Brooklyn to, to Alaska, where they take urban youth and they introduce them to the wilderness and they teach them all sorts of incredible things in the wilderness. But what's cool about this trip is that this is like graduation for a bunch of kids that have been coming every single year. And these kids are actually being certified as river guides in Alaska. Yeah, that's right. Grew up in Brooklyn. And now they're going to be river guides in Alaska. And I'm going to be on the river with them. I hope they're really good river guides because we're going to be camping on the river for six days. Oh, my gosh. And I, like, have to pack a complete mosquito net suit, like, like that covers you from head to toe because I heard the mosquitoes are like birds. Well, that's the only part I'm not looking forward to. Everything else I'm looking forward to. I'll, I'll let you guys know. If I come back and I look like Will Smith on that part, in the movie Hitched, where he has an allergic reaction. That's really what I look like when I get bit by bugs. So you'll know whether or not the mosquito suit worked. Okay, enough on how excited I am about going to Alaska. Uh, any Do any of you guys live in Alaska? Can we have like a little 
Human Hope Podcast Meetup in Anchorage. That's that's kind of the, the main city we're going to be around. Uh, let me know. DM me. Shoot me an email. Carlos at carloswhitaker.com. Maybe we'll have a little Human Hope listener love live in Alaska. All right. Speaking of live in Atlanta, our guest this week. I mean, when she said yes, I kind of freaked out. Now, I have been following her work for about a year now. Her name's Danielle Koch, but most of you may know her as Oh Happy Danny on Instagram. And Danielle has such an incredible story on how she has gotten to where she's at in her career, which she didn't even know this was going to be her career. But listen, she is an anti-racism fighter. She is an empathy-filled human. She is a hope dealer. She's an artist. She's a speaker. She's a communicator. And she is somebody that is educating, educating so many people online on how to be an anti-racist, how it is to stand up uh, against oppression and how it is to lift up black voices. And I'm so proud of her. She's literally like 20 years younger than me and she's already doing the work better than I am online. So friends, you're going to want to buckle up for this conversation. If you're an entrepreneur and you need somebody to help push you in your dreams, she's the one. If you're somebody that has been fighting the fight and being an ally with your uh, black indigenous people of color friends, she's going to give you some hope. Whoever you are, she's going to give you hope because she is a true hope dealer. Friends, enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Danielle Koch. All right, Human Hope Familia, we are rolling here in episode 16 with, I, I'm not, I'm just going to call you Danny because that's what everybody knows you as and I actually <laughs> screwed up your last name, uh, Danielle Koch. Danielle, how are you today, mi amiga? I am so good. I'm so excited that I get to be on here to talk to you. You are the best. So I'm really no. excited for our conversation. Well, I'm I'm excited too. I um, We became kind of internet friends, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I would love um, you to just kind of catch everybody up, let everybody know who you are, what it is you do, and what you're, you know, what you're passionate about. Yeah. So, yep, I'm Danny. I am an illustrator and advocate slash artivist from Atlanta, Georgia. I like to tell people that I aim to take complex ideas and make them more digestible and easier to understand for the everyday person. I strongly believe that we don't have to have a PhD in issues about race to be responsible for having those tough conversations and really leaning into our personal responsibility and the influence that we each have. So I aim to create art that talks about that. And you, and you do it really well. Um, t- tell us about when I, I, I mean, cause I don't think, I think I hopped on the, the Danny mobile after your Instagram <laughs> had blown up. So talk, talk about when, when maybe things started getting like, you were like, Oh my gosh, this is something that is probably going to end up being my full-time thing. Oh my gosh, yes. It's so funny because whenever I tell people that I started drawing Christmas of 2019, they're all like, what? Because everything yeah. did happen so quickly. Uh, that's pr- that, yeah. So that's okay. So you just you just put out a statement right now that you just said <laughs> you started drawing Christmas of 2019. Yeah, in this capacity, at least like digital illustration. I've done creative things like all my life, but I got an iPad for Christmas uh, and then 
Martin Luther King Day of 2020, I did my first social justice related illustration because I really feel like people get MLK's legacy all messed up. They really watered him down. And so I wanted to say, you know, this guy, he was a radical disruptor. He challenged status quo and he was just wild. And a lot of y'all didn't even like him back in the day. So That's right. I, wanted to make, <laughs> I wanted to make an illustration about that. And I had maybe like 700 followers around the time. And it was my friends and my family. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to post this and see if anyone cares. <laughs> and it was the first piece that I noticed that started to be shared by my family and friends outside of my family and friends, actually. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, that's so odd. And so I leaned in during Black History Month and I was like, huh, I wonder if I just keep doing this. If people are more likely to enjoy and engage in these hard conversations if it's pretty to look at. Mm. So that was the hypothesis that I wanted to test. Yeah. And it was correct. <laughs> it was correct. Because at the end of Black History Month, I had around 10K. Wow. And I was like, this is wild. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then summer happened and George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery witnessed all yeah. that tragedy. And when Black Lives Matter took center stage again in many people's conversations, they started to use my art as a resource to guide them alongside that. And so... When someone would come to my page for one piece of art, they would see that I was doing it for months and months. Yeah. And so all my art ended up going viral at one time in one week. In one week. And Tell so, us about that week. Oh, yeah. That week, uh, I gained 300,000 300, followers in one week. No and I did not know <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> it was so much. It was so overwhelming. Do you know? Um, did I mean, have you traced back to like what was the like who was the who was the 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 one that shoved it over the edge of the hill? Oh man, I don't know. I do know Vanessa Bryant shared something. Okay. I just a, a couple different celebrities were sharing things, but also I, there were several pieces that went viral together. So uh -huh. I can't really pinpoint who did yeah. what, but I just know yeah. a lot of people were reposting and I lost track of it completely. So right. I can't even I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> okay, okay, so 3 300 now you have 310,000, right? Now you're like you're like okay. Um, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you do at the end of that week? What were you thinking? Yeah. So thankfully I, I don't ever really have notifications on for social media. Thankfully I wouldn't have known what to do, but when I saw all of that happening, I felt a mix of emotions. One, it was exciting to see, Hey, could this be the racial revolution we've been hoping for? Are people mm. actually really caring about this? So I'm hopeful. And then on the other side, I'm, Massively overwhelmed, feeling kind of drained, honestly. Yeah, and then yeah. bearing, I put on this responsibility on myself of being someone who can really educate about these complex topics. And like, it's delicate. You know, you know the nuances we have to navigate. You can't just oh, yeah. say whatever you want. And so I was trying to be as careful as I could and really speaking to the heart of the matter and not always speaking to all the noise. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So that was no, a balance I'm I had to try to strike. Uh, and you know, that, that is, um, oh my God, I know, I know the exhaustion that, that it takes. I know the toll that it takes. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. 
Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I mean, let's just get straight kind of into this, this part. You know, my, my socials kind of blew up last summer too. When I started mm-hmm. putting, I started putting videos out there. I think I had like 20,000 followers at the time. And I started putting videos out there about, you know, again, I like the way you said that making the conversation digestible, making it. Right. Um, and honestly, I, I was trying to make it digestible for white people because that's most of the people that were following me at the time uh, that were mm-hmm. buying my books, listening to things. And, and, you know, initially I was like, wow, I, I, I wasn't prepared for this level of trust, I guess, you know, there, there yeah. is a level of trust that, and it's weighty, right? Would you, would you say that you feel the actual weight of it? Oh, absolutely. There was a time where I actually had to make the conscious decision to release myself from mm. that overwhelming pressure that I honestly felt like I was putting on myself yeah. to be the spokesperson for every tragedy, every confusing social justice issue. Like I just felt, I just put this immense responsibility on myself to speak to all things. Wow. And the the time came where I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Like, <laughs> there's just no way. No, there isn't, you know, and I, I yeah. remember feeling that pressure. I remember feeling like, because it, it did, it was right. It was like every, every week someone else got killed every week. There was yes. another, there was another. And I was like, I don't know if I have the capacity as a human to continue right. to, you know, be the sounding board for every person. And, you know, that, that just yeah. needs somebody to explain things to them again. It was, it and we're was, like looking yeah. at each other too. We're like, did Carlos post anything? I know. Sweet. Danny did this for me. I'm gonna just throw everybody her way, you know, and, and so, this. yeah, I'm just gonna share this. I'm gonna share a thing, you know, so, so talk, talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about uh, maybe, um, some things that you feel, and then I'll talk after you, some things that you feel that you would love to see when, when things like this happen, like, do you feel like maybe, here's the question, do you feel like maybe what we do has quite possibly made some people lazy in, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, and I'm not saying this is, this is a wide generalization, but but do you feel like because we're so ripe and ready to educate, maybe some people have gotten lazy? That is real. Yeah. I think, yes. <laughs> Part of me <laughs> believes 
that I I wrestled for a while with the idea that I was oversimplifying things. Mm. For me, you know, as a believer, I trace a lot of things to God and the heart of God, but also I tend to lean on like the kumbaya, like hopeful optimism. And I, I realized that in doing that, I was also making things that were complex, not only digestible, but sometimes a little overly simplified because it felt to me as people were relying so much on the content that we're putting out that the at home real work behind closed doors, like your own personal responsibility was kind of getting left and put to the side. I do, I do definitely feel like that. (laughs) And even with more recent issues, even internationally, when you're talking about Palestine and Israel, all these different topics, it's like, there's also a risk that we mm. have to, and a responsibility to not spread misinformation, Yeah, to not overly like rely on <laughs> the tools that we have to yeah. speak truth to every single issue. Cause there's the risk of getting it wrong. Yeah. And with, when it comes to different kinds of topics, like that penalty can be quite hefty. hefty. And so I, yeah, I, I worry sometimes that, ah, we're making it a little too easy for white people at times. And I also yeah. worry that, oh man, people are relying a little too much on social media infographics. And right. Oh my Quick gosh. hit videos. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's like, well, so is everyone being educated by Danny's art, low switz videos? And so you want to know about infographics, you know, like. Is mm-hmm. that the is that the depth of the knowledge that people feel like, wow, like I know something now. So therefore, because I know something, I, I'm not going to do any more work. You know, I'll I won't I won't say this for you, but I would 100 percent challenge every listener that's listening to this to take what you create and let that be the launching point to your yes. education. Don't let yes. just what you're creating be your education. Absolutely. And I, and I like to tell people. First and foremost, I'm not an anti-racism educator. I'm not a DEI facilitator. You cannot hire me to do DEI things. I don't know if you do those, Carlos, but I do not. Um, And so one thing I like to say about my art is I encourage it to be used alongside your own anti-racism education and journey. Kind of like just something, a helpful guide that helps you navigate maybe a certain aspect of the journey, but it is not the journey. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) And taking that pressure off of myself, but also making sure people know, like, I'm not a resource. I am a person. And I see everything through my own specific worldview shaped by who I am and what I believe in. And I cannot be all things to all people. Yeah. I love that. No, that's so good. So answer this, Danny, who are you? Mm -hmm. Like, like tell us a little bit about, about who you are. Like you're, are you from Atlanta? Like tell us a little bit about your, uh, your passions besides art. Like, I mean, we, we got the art thing down. We know you're, you know, you love to talk (laughs) about that stuff, but like, tell us, tell us some things about you. Sure. So I am 26. I just turned 26. I currently live in Atlanta. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I currently live in Atlanta, but I was living in the suburbs of Metro Atlanta for almost all my life. I was born in Brooklyn. So born in Brooklyn, New York. I was around six. That's cool to say. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just cool to say. Let's say. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And, but I, some people say I can't claim it because I spent so much of my life in Grayson, Georgia. But y'all can't tell me what to do. I claim Brooklyn if I want to claim. Yeah, hey, Grayson, Georgia, yeah. Brooklyn. It's a tomato, tomato. You know. 
Same difference. Yeah, but I, like I told you earlier, I grew up being very creative. I love music. I love painting. I love decorating. Really? I love everything I can do with my hands. Yes, absolutely. The, my mural in my house, I I painted I painted that whole thing. And I oh, wow. really find joy in using my hands to do things. And I've always also been like a serial entrepreneur. Like as a kid, okay. I was mowing lawns for dogs. Really? I was like, yes. Yes, you were. I was doing all these little cute, small, creative businesses. Like I would paint canvases and I would, I would just do so much. Yeah. And um, I actually took an art class in middle school because I was like, yeah, this is going to be it. Yeah. But I had an art teacher actually continuously give me low grades on my art projects because she no. said that I was tra- tracing. What? She said, make sure you're not tracing. And I was like, but you never even asked me if I was tracing. Actually, no. I would have told you no. I would have sat and drawn for you, ma'am. But <laughs> she literally, She literally just thought you were tracing because it was so good. I mean, I guess so. I wish she would have asked me. I really do. But that experience kind of caused me to veer off the art path. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I still did it for fun. And so, okay. yeah, I went to Georgia State. Made oh, you did? Georgia State yeah. business? Okay. Okay. So you yeah. graduate from Georgia State and you're like, you're like, I'm going to be a, uh, a an Instagram um, influencer <laughs> that is like making art. That's, oh, that's yeah. a, That wasn't on the career path. the goal from the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny. I actually wanted to be an event planner because it seemed like the thing that was the most fun. Yeah. I just want to do something fun. Like Enneagram 7 problems. Like my Uh, life needs to be just a party. I got you. I got you. So I got got a job in that field after I graduated. Okay. And that is where my passion for racial justice actually took off. Okay, tell us about that. Because... Yeah, I would love to. I was the only black woman that worked in the predominantly white event planning agency that I got a job at. And I quickly learned two things. One, I am not an event planner. The skills are not in me. The details, (laughs) I can't do it. Yeah. But my way in was through marketing and graphic design, right? So I was like, oh, I'm kind of good at this. I'll just do that. And I got my way in there. But one, the first thing I realized, that's not my calling. And two, I realized that... I could not flourish in a in an environment that didn't choose to see me in my fullness. Wow. I, I had a conversation with my boss one day. I said, hey, love working here. So much fun. We've got some problems in the diversity, equity, inclusion department. I mm. don't, we don't do it actually anything yeah. that has to do with that. I would love if we brought a speaker in at some point or if we kind of laid the ground rules for how we want to approach that topic here in yeah. the office. And my boss actually said to me, he said, I don't, have a passion for that. I can't foresee using company money towards doing that. And this is 2019. Yeah. Everyone. No, everyone this is like yesterday. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. It just was wow. like, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. And I was wow. like, hmm. and then, and then he said the infamous line that I can never stop talking about. I don't okay, see color. It? No, that's what he said. I don't see color. Wow. And wow. that, yeah, that changed everything for me. And that was 2019. Mm-hmm. And so, so were were you? I mean, what? So what happens like inside of your ethos yeah. in that moment? You're like, okay, I can't, I can't stay here. Like, well, like right. what, 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 what accelerated? What, what part of your life was accelerated because of that? Like, you know, again, I'm a storyteller, so I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm asking all these detailed no, questions it. about little things like this. So, like, you hear that, and then you're like, okay, you leave his office, and what, what goes through your head? What's the next step? Yeah, I sat there and was just nodding along and, and, and 
the inside, I was actually pretty crushed because it's a feeling unlike any other to hear someone tell you like, your existence is not something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's rough yeah. because I know that's not probably what he meant to say, but obviously impact and intent are two different things. Absolutely. And, and so after that, I was like, well, it's a good thing that I like this graphic design stuff a lot more than this event planning stuff anyway. Let me just keep doing this on the side. Maybe I can do it full time. And so I saved a couple paychecks. I got a couple clients lined up on the side for graphic design work freelance and then I quit my job in summer of 2019 summer 2019 yeah I said I'm gonna do this thing full-time and I started an agency called so happy social and the goal of it was to help positive mission-based brands use social media for maximum impact so the people on the ground doing the justice work that I was so passionate about I wanted to equip them to have a great online presence and that was so fruitful and and such a blessing in my own life to be able to do that and it's funny, people always ask me, where did Oh Happy Danny, the idea of that handle come from? And I say, well, I had a business called So Happy Social. And as a marketer, I needed to be on brand. So my personal Instagram <laughs> needed to match my business. And that's that's how that's that how it happened. Was born. Yeah, that's how it happened. Such a good conversation with Danny. And we're gonna get back to that conversation in just a second. But I do want to mention something. I am so proud of you guys. I've had multiple of you guys tell me that you've already taken advantage of BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is literally online counseling for you. And you guys are doing it. You guys are going to our personal link, BetterHelp.com slash Human Hope. And you're signing up. What interferes with your happiness, right? Like you're looking for these things. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Listen, BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You guys, you get to connect in a safe and private online environment. It's really convenient. And from Jump Street, from the beginning, you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Now, listen, this isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message to your counselor anytime, and they're going to send you either video or phone recordings back, all without ever having to sit in a waiting room and accidentally stumbling upon your ex. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free that you can change counselors if you need to. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, all of it, you guys can find somebody to help you with it. Anything you share, it's super confidential. It's convenient, professional, and affordable. If you go to betterhelp.com slash human hope, you guys can get 10% off your first month. So, Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, it's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash human hope. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. I, I like to tell people, I saved up those paychecks, and to this day, I've never had to touch this, those saved paychecks. Oh, it's a amazing. Blessing. I yes. will never forget that. That is, yeah. no, that is a huge, that is a huge blessing. And so, so up until then, uh, mm-hmm. has your business model uh, shifted from, obviously, from like client work to, you know, the, the, what was the, what was the business called again before Oh Happy Danny? So Happy Social. So Happy Social. Okay. Yes. So, so, so <laughs> when, when did that, when did you go from, you know, So Happy Social to just primarily now you've, you know, in a second, I'm going to start asking you about your operations and all the things that you're doing now. I just, I, I love, love seeing, oh I gosh, love, yes. I love seeing that, that side of things. But when, when yeah. did, when did you see that clear transition go from, okay, I'm, I'm a graphic designer for other people to now I'm designing my own stuff. Absolutely. Yes. So I would say that I kept doing my graphic design stuff through So Happy Social well into March and then COVID-19. So remember, this is March 2020 now. So January, I I made that Martin Luther King illustration. I'm doing that for fun, purely all through February. And as this audience is growing, So Happy Social loses all clients. Wow. Wow. Because of COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, a lot of people don't yes. know this part of the story. I, yeah. I had not a single client. And so it's so wild to have built such a robust agency model where we were doing very well every month to having lost everybody because Nothing. people thought, isn't that funny? Let's cut social media first. Yeah. <laughs> Mistake. They didn't know. They didn't, they didn't know. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what people did start to see was working in ways that they've never seen before was illustration and, and yeah. illustrated infographics. Yeah. So that started to be what So Happy Social started doing. I started funneling all that through that same agency. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't until I started doing products that Oh Happy Danny like took on a life of its own. Like, when you once say the products. Shop opened. Yeah. Like- so the art prints, the stickers, well, stickers is very new, but art prints posters. That's all we sold in 2020. But I was so blown away by the support of the community. It doesn't matter what I dropped and how good or not good it was. They bought it so quick. And we were able to build a business because of that. Really? Okay. So yeah, yeah. So, so this is, so now, okay, there's entrepreneurs listening to this. There's people that are listening to this that are like, oh my gosh, like everything's falling apart for me. They're, they're on the fence on whether, whether or not, you know, they, they're going to step out and do the solopreneur entrepreneur thing. Talk to us, take us a little deeper into you're just doing this on your own, but now, now I see it on your Instagram. You've got, you got a team, you got, um, you got a space, you guys are, you're going to have an office tour at some point soon. Like you've got, you know, you're like, all this stuff is happening, you know? And so you're 26, right? I am. And are you are you just figuring this out on your own? Do you have a mentor helping you with this stuff? Like what it, what is it, what's kind of the business side of what you're doing look like? Yeah. yeah, definitely. So I have had a couple of mentors throughout these months, but I will admit that the majority of all that I've done, I had to do on my own and figure out on my own. Wow. And so at the beginning, I will definitely say one thing that helped me the most was investing in online courses or quick things where I could learn the foundation of business. Wow. And thankfully I had a marketing and business background. So I was able to lean into that naturally. And I'm very grateful that I got that degree because I really think it helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it was that it was not being afraid to invest in a couple online courses of things that would really help me sharpen some skills and then really trusting the vision that I saw for my life and what I could see was working very clearly (laughs) 
and just trusting that it's like this is brand new. I've never done this before, but it is working in some capacity. So how can I be bold and lean into that? Wow. Trusting the knowledge that I already had, plus also trusting the unknown and the beauty of the journey that I feel like God yeah. put me on. Yeah, so the risk. The, the, the and, risk. And, yeah, you know, and, and gosh, so many people don't take risks. And I feel like they they miss out on so much goodness in life because the, everyone's just playing it safe and you didn't play it safe in that moment, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, no, not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now your business is 100%, not 100%, but, you know, you are... Your prints twenty all of twenty twenty. You're doing prints, but now you're doing stickers. Mm-hmm. Are you doing t-shirts? Mm-hmm. Are you doing you know um, you're doing clothing? But now I'm starting to see you like you spoke at Q. Like people are starting mm-hmm. to see you as a voice of somebody that is going to help them think through hard things, not just through your art, but actually through what you say. Talk to us about maybe uh, maybe. Has that been hard? Has that been easy? Has that been, have you had to break through any lies? Like, oh no, I'm just an, uh, you know, I'm an illustrator. That's how I'm going to teach people. Uh, as opposed to, well, now I, I can actually use the breath in my lungs. Yeah. I love that so much. It's so funny. It actually took me a while for me to even own the title of artist because, mm. you know, imposter syndrome just comes in hot sometimes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I remember always feeling like, I wanted to speak, but communication was not something I was ever af- really overtly affirmed in growing up. Besides like my parents, you know, your parents tell you. Can oh, anything. yeah. Anything. <laughs> anything. Anything at all. But yeah, like in my I would take, you know, strengths finder and it would be like communication is like one of your number one. And I'm like, I just I don't know if I see that in myself. I, I want to lean into it and I do feel deep down that I could probably do it. But yeah, I don't know. I just never. It's just one of those things in life that I never fully saw myself being able to do. But it's always been there. So even in these moments where art is doing something incredible, there's just certain things that only words can say, Mm, truthfully. Yeah, There's some things that you've got to be able to verbally process and communicate. And I love leading into that, especially in the season now, because it feels really great to be seen in, in your fullness, you know, like. Not just one aspect of who you are, but what other gifts do you feel like you have inside of you that you just haven't had an opportunity to shine? Yeah. Or to take a risk and see if you're even good at it, you know? Right. That's so good. Yeah. I feel like once you start to do something, like when when I took that opportunity to speak for the first time, I just felt like it lit me up inside. And so I knew that I was just going to keep trying um, and keep doing that until I got better. And I'm going to continue to do that. You are so, you're so, you're so gifted at it. You really are. Um, oh, thank you. That means a lot coming welcome. from you. Oh, listen. No, I do. I do. But but you, uh, <laughs> because I, you know, I, I try to draw something at one point in my life and it just didn't turn out very well. So I'll leave that. I'll leave that to you. You're a double, you know, you're a double weapon. You can speak and draw. That's oh, amazing. <laughs> um, no, I love it. I love it. You know, as, as we, uh, so as we're recording this, I and mean, people can listen to whatever, but we're, you know, we're sitting in June, the middle of June. Um, 2021. It's it's actually been so crazy, you know. I'll, Facebook or Instagram, they'll send you reminders of like a year ago today, and it's actually been like kind of triggering for me. Yes, uh, has it not me been too. for you? Right, yes. like like this is what you posted last year, and I'm like, oh my god, like our country was in the middle of the worst moment of its existence. Right, it's gosh. triggering. Oh my gosh, I absolutely agree. I don't even look at that anymore. <laughs> I don't even look at it. It's been so it's been so much, you know, and. But here's the thing, something we were talking about this before I hit record. Um, 
last year at this time. Okay, so we're June, June. We got I I I got so many of my white friends are like with their Black Lives Matter signs. They are yeah. at the marches. They are posting their black squares. They are loud, like mm-hmm. loud. And talk to us about this podcast and this study that you just listened to uh, and maybe take us through some of your feelings on maybe uh, what's been happening to the support that the black community has had in the last year. Yeah, definitely. We were just talking about this. There's a study that's out in the New York Times right now, and it's basically addressing where the support for Black Lives Matter went amongst white people within the past year. And there were there was a moment a couple months ago where a study came out that said Black Lives Matter support is starting to dip in comparison to a couple months ago. And it's like, oh, that's expected. But I was listening to Code Switch, an episode on NPR's Code Switch podcast, where it's called uh, The Racial Reckoning That Wasn't. Whoa. And it's talking about all of the unfulfilled promises, declarations, donations uh, that came from Black Lives Matter last year concerning white people. And it said basically not only has support for Black Lives Matter gone down, but it's lower than it was before George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. And I thought that was pretty devastating. I'm not going to lie to you because we can remember the nights we stayed up late, the, the hours we spent literally sobbing. People don't know how horrifically difficult processing through that grief is, internalizing it, and then being expected to churn out content yeah that helps other people like it's wildly difficult and then to hear that a year later not only have people kind of put it down but they've also kind of walked away yeah rough it is rough you know it's it's rough but um you know i i hate to say that it's not surprising but it is this is hard work i you know i tell my white friends all the time like like, if you really want to be an ally, like, you can't be an ally for for just a moment, right? Like, you can't mm-hmm. dress up like an ally. That's called Halloween, right? Like, you're yeah. just, at that point, you're just pretending. You're just, it's a costume party. And then you're you're not that anymore. And, like, this is a long road of suffering that, you know, we can't have people falling off because it's like, well, I, I just, you know, I, it's, again, it's not affecting me anymore. It was affecting me back then because... You know, and everything was was being affected because of race. But now, you know, we, we got a different president and the conversation's not as loud anymore. And you know what? I, I just think that I'm not going to support um, support it like I was before. And it is it is looking back. I, I take it exactly like you said, Danny, like it was exhausting to put yeah. so much effort in um, Brittany Packett Cunningham. I don't know if you follow her yeah. on Instagram, but she talked about how like, you know, all you guys followed us when it was time for like to learn about racism and to learn about Black Lives Mattering. Uh, but the second we started talking about our normal lives, uh, everyone just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, we we weren't created to just be your educators and your mouthpieces. You know, Absolutely. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. It's true. And for me, I know you know what this is like, too. The ebb and flow of social media following like that. I'm Thank goodness that's not a metric that I look at and just hold yeah. so dear to my heart because Man, people come and people go. It's but so true. <laughs> I just can't. I'm so glad that the work that we do and the fulfillment that we get from it is not predicated upon how many followers there are. Yeah. But yeah, it is truly difficult to to see, you know, 
when you post a story about birds, you would hope that everyone that follows you cares just as much about your passion for birds as they do right. about your passion for justice. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who do. Yeah. And there are going to be some people who are like, mm, this is not some kind of emotional entertainment for me. Right. I'm not getting a high out of watching you emotionally distraught over another mm. black death. So I'm going right. to right. follow. You know, it's rough. It is. No, it's it's rough. And it, it's been, um, whew, man. And it's, it's actually even, I think what's been harder hasn't just necessarily been the, like my followers that have been like disinterested, but like even some friends, you know, like I, those have been some of the, the hard ones. It's, it's like, you know, man, they were, they were with me at the very beginning. I'm not saying all, all my friends, I'm, I'm a small percentage, but there's definitely been even some, some reckoning that's had to come in my own personal relationships because of everything that's happened. Have you, have you found that even in your own personal relationships, you've had to have some like, guess what? I guess this isn't going to be a relationship that, that I have the emotional and mental uh, and spiritual capacity to hang on to. Mm. You know, with personal relationships, it's funny because I spent so much of COVID alone or Mm. with my family. Then I moved out and I was alone. So like I'm in touch with friends, but when it comes to this, because I've been, so loud about justice for so many years of my life. I've already lost. If I was going to lose heard, friends, yeah. they're already gone. <laughs> they're already gone. Yeah. <laughs> they're gone already. So good. <laughs> yeah. But I think a big pain point for me, even concerning like the audience is just that when you think about the fallout, it makes you wonder like, how did we get to that point? What yeah. made you no longer want to fight for this? And I think one thing that I would assume is a factor is that, feeling of guilt and shame that a white person may or may not feel, you know, when this topic is presented. Yeah. I, I know about a lot of people. I, I had this post called the cycle of inaction and talked about how there's certain steps that we go through before we just decide to be apathetic towards an issue because it's hard, you know, we mm. fall into guilt and fatigue and it makes us no longer want to continue. And I think part of my own reflection over that time was saying, man, I wonder while I was encouraging people to take action, I wonder if, many people skipped the step of dealing with that internal guilt and processing through that in a way that made them not feel like they were just some horrible person or this guilty party. It's like, no, you guys saying to do the work isn't saying like, oh, let me just push past this personal thing and how it affects me and just performatively get some things done. That's why it didn't, didn't last for a lot of people. I think that internal processing through the guilt and shame and saying, you know, this is a hard thing. And maybe I have been complicit in systems of racism, or maybe I just have been a bystander, a bystander but I'm going to reckon with that. I'm going to deal with that internally. And because I did that work, it's going to manifest in a real life connection that I feel to the movement that'll propel me for years to come. That's I good. I believe that, yeah, that's a step that yeah. I feel like was skipped well, for a lot of people. A, a lot of people did skip that step and, you know, um, I feel like what, what you do, something that you do so well is give people a, the opportunity to feel that in a healthy way. Um, mm. because th- this work is, um, it is a, you know, if you're not careful, you know, it, it can be when I, when I talk to my white followers, I have to be, I have to make sure that I'm always approaching them as listen, your guilt and your shame isn't going to be the thing that is going to lead people to equity and equality. Like it's, you got to deal with that yourself and get past that. You know, Uh, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get white people to be feel guilty and shameful. And that's going to be the thing that leads us to freedom. No, it's seeing us Mm -hmm. 
and seeing the struggles uh, that that we're going through. And and again, I say it all the time: don't stand on issues, but walk with people. Um, yes, that that I don't even know like how you can memorialize that. That will go down in history as one of the uh, most helpful, <laughs> clear like declarations. Like, don't stand on issues; walk with people. That changes everything. Yeah, I think it about does. that often. Yeah, often. thank you. Yeah, no, yeah. it does. You know, this this podcast is called "It's Human Hope." So at the end of the day, um, you know, I do know that we are going through a lot. It's it's difficult. It's it's difficult work. But I would love to know how Danny and if Danny and where Danny is finding hope these days. Like, like what are you yeah. seeing that's making your heart rise? That's giving you breath in your lungs. Like, where where are you seeing hope these days? Definitely, I think. One thing that's truly helped me have hope and keep that alive is returning to joy and letting the work be fueled by joy and rest and not by struggle. I don't want to be fueled by anger. I don't want to be fueled by any of that stuff. I really feel like returning to the things that bring me happiness is something that's allowing me to look at this work in a whole new light. And I used to say that my source of optimism often came from the fact that I saw people internalizing and doing this work and I saw like real life things happening. But I know even to this day that that's not something that I can always count on. Mm. Even if nobody else ever again (laughs) follows me or makes that commitment to practicing anti-racism, I do know that I'm called to this conversation. I'm equipped for it. And I'm fueled by my hope that one day we will do better than we are doing right now. Yes. Because 40 years ago, they were like, man, one day we're going to do better than we're doing right now. And we got there. So, you yeah. know, yeah. I'm hopeful that we can keep going in that direction, regardless of who's coming. I'm fueled right. by that. And I'm going to continue to take care of myself so I can last long yes. in this work. Come on. That's so good. Everyone yeah. can take that. Every, everyone can take that. You know, I love that 40 years ago, people were. Like we can do better. And, and and that's what I want people to hear. We have gotten better. Things have. have gotten better. You know, yes. like, like, like that is something that is true. We've gotten better, but that doesn't mean we can't get better. You literally are a prophetess. And, you know, I, I just want wow. you to, to, to step into that. And, and at 26, Lord have mercy. I can't imagine <laughs> the, 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 the lives you're going to touch in the next 10 years of your life. So like, you know, I, I speak that blessing over you. You're amazing sister. You are a leader that I will always follow. Listen, I will probably be bothering you from here on out because Let's go. now we're just, we're friends. That's right. That's right. We Appreciate are. You this so is so much. awesome. There she goes. Danielle Coke, you are, I'm going to say it again, you're a prophetess. You have been chosen for such a time as this. And I'm just grateful to get to know you. Friends, please go find Danny on Instagram right now. I open up Instagram. Go find her and just let her know how much you absolutely appreciated everything about it. It's O-O-H, happy, H-A-P-P-Y, Danny, D-A-N-I. Friends, that is it. I cannot wait to come back at you guys from the great state of Alaska next week. Hey, listen, will you please do me a favor and subscribe to the show? Please leave a review. Uh, It really helps let other people find the show as well. And I will see you back here. Episode 17. One more episode until we're actually an adult podcast. Next week, Thursday, same time, same place. Carlos Whitaker saying I love you guys and I'll see you soon.